0: Y'all, I am so excited for today's guest because she's the dream guest for me. It's somebody that I have followed in the blog world and felt like she was so far and away, like living in a different like universe to me and... This is what I love about the world is that at the end of the day, we are all human. We all share different experiences and we get opportunities to kind of learn from each other through them. And and I really shouldn't have put her so far and away from me because today here I am sitting down with her and having an incredible conversation that I didn't plan to lead in any sort of direction. I just wanted to kind of pick her brain a little bit. And it went really, really well. I think if you are a content creator, if you are somebody who works in PR or brands, if you are just somebody who enjoys social media as a consumer, and also if you are a working mom or you're just really curious about all things Lauren Bostic, that's right, the Skinny Confidential. She's here today. I want to just give you guys a brief content warning because we do discuss weight in this episode and just honoring everybody who is in the disordered eating and recovery community. I just want to give you that little bit of a heads up. You could always skip forward past that. Once we start talking about mothership, you can, you can kind of skip through that a little bit as well and get into the rest of the conversation because it is so, so worth it. Honestly, I wrote down so many notes during this show and I think you're going to as well. I hope you enjoy this episode with the one and only Lauren Bostick. There's a whole like internal battle that I've had around liking pink and being too girly because then I can't be taken seriously. I can't this, that, and the other. And you kind of brought that back for me. I was like, no, she does it. She's a businesswoman.
1: She loves pink. It's in everything. Whenever I hear someone say it too much, it just reminds mm. me so much of Glennon Doyle. Like, who is this person that, who's saying it can't, you can wear too much pink and not be taken seriously? Like, who's the person upstairs that's hiding that? Let's make our own rules moving forward. Agree.
0: Honestly. And I love that you love Glennon too. It's interesting for me because I used to follow her as a mom blogger like over a decade ago. And so I used to watch her like through her marriage with her kids and all this stuff. And similar to you, I've read your blog forever. I remember I was just put in my stories today. This is very full circle for me today because I used to literally sit in my cubicle working at a publishing company right out of like after my divorce, when I was working like two jobs, I used to listen to your podcast during the day. And that whole world felt so far and away. So to be like three years later and now sitting in this position, I'm just like, this is so cool. But it's also just life can flip at any given moment. You just honestly don't know it.
1: That's a tribute to how hard you've worked in the last three years, and I feel like you need to acknowledge yourself because three years for you to create all this is really amazing. I mean, it really is for you to say you were sitting in your cubicle three years ago listening to our (laughs) podcast like that's really wild.
0: Yeah, and you know, I've been doing blogging and everything for twelve years, but I honestly it just always felt like it wasn't reachable. It always felt like it would always be hobby. It felt like everybody else had a start somewhere or knew something or did something. So to really get gritty with it and come up. That's why I always feel like anybody can do this. Like really anybody can do this, but it does take a lot of like getting over that imposter syndrome and stuff. But I mean, you're OG. How long have you been doing this for now?
1: The same as you, 12 years, but I've been blogging for 12 years. Anyone can do it, but it it definitely, you have to make sure you're nurturing each part of the recipe. Like there's the flour, there's the sugar. You have to make sure there's the discipline, there's the engagement. When I say engagement, I mean engaging with people. There's Mm -hmm. the vulnerability aspect. I also think that there is talent involved, depending on, you know, what you're doing. Some people are artistic bloggers, some people are, are really great at photos, some people are really great at written captions. I mean, I think that you really have to be very self-aware at what your talent is. And you
0: have a way of writing that is nothing like I've ever seen in blogs ever. And I'll tell you why. Because you one time went in so hard on a blanket And you've done it also with straw. And I've bought both of these things now. (laughs) But you went in like an entire article on why this blanket is the best blanket. You know what blanket I'm talking about.
1: The Barefoot Dreams Leopard Kardashian blanket. Everyone needs it.
0: I finally caved. I got the lighter version of it. But I I finally caved this past winter. And... When I realized, when I went back and I realized that you had published that blog in 2018, it made me realize that it sat in my brain for almost three whole years being like, this is the blanket that I want. This is the blank. I couldn't actually get it in Canada. That's why it like took so long. Same with the straw. Like you talked about this one straw so extensively and with such detail that you walk away being like, I have never needed anything more in my life, but there's so much honesty to all of it. Like everything you share there's so much effort put into the details of it. And I feel like everything for you and, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's like you said, it's a, it's almost a recipe. It's very thought out. It's very intentional. And I think that's something to admire because I legitimately don't know what I'm doing tomorrow.
1: I think that every single little aspect of your life can make an experience. So a straw to me, that sounds so stupid. It's a straw. Well, I like a straw in my smoothie. And if the smoothie stuff can't get through my straw and it's hurting my teeth because it's glass or it's plastic and it's BPA, like every little part of your life can be an experience down to a straw. And I think that once you start to realize that, that it doesn't have to take so much time, you can just find these little things that make life more enhanced and make you happier it's very easy to streamline, right? Now I keep six of those straws in my drawer. I know it's the straw to go to. It just makes life a lot easier. So I try to save people time from having to like go through 600 straws to get to the right straw. And I know it's stupid to say a straw, but a straw is something I use every single day. So I want the best fucking straw I can have. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's true though. And honestly, if you think about it from that and you peel back that layer a little bit more, then think about that smoothie and you're having that smoothie and it's going throughout your day. If your straw is frustrating you, it's distracting you. Everything that's a a distraction is, is something that's worthwhile looking into and changing, right? And this is what we do. I do this a lot where I try and get the fast action or like the quick bandage problem, like blankets, for instance. I'll keep trying to buy something that's like it, that's similar to it, that might be the same and it never is. So then you just keep doing it It's the same with a pair of jeans. I forever resisted buying good jeans because I was like, no, I can buy like 10 pairs for that one price. So why would I buy one pair of jeans? Let me tell you, my drawers will attest to the fact that it's way better to have one good fitting pair of jeans than have. What's the pair? What's the pair? Honestly, good Americans. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Okay. They are. They are. I also love a Zara jean, though. Uh-huh. Zara, Zara shorts are the best. And I would say good American jeans. And the reason why I say that is because they genuinely flex with your body. And I wore mine all the way up until about seven months pregnant. And postpartum, that was the only ones that actually would fit on my body again.
1: Oh, my God. I need to go buy some of those. I don't have any Zara jeans.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For, that was for good American. But for Zara shorts, Zara shorts are the best. So they're Good American is the
1: one that you wore up to seven months pregnant. Yeah. But
0: you also like
1: Zara. Zara in shorts, like denim shorts. In shorts, got it. Okay, so I'm buying Zara shorts and Good American jeans.
0: Yeah, you know what it is about the Zara shorts is they're cut in such a way that your ass isn't out, but it's covered and cute. And it like just perks you. And it's rigid denim and it's high, but it's rigid that goes straight up. So it holds you perfectly and it doesn't create any lines or anything like that. And they wear... Like phenomenally. And postpartum, like I just bought a few more and I tried them on the other day and I was like, holy crap. Because rigid denim, when you've just had a baby, sounds like a nightmare. And I love them. They're honestly so I get really picky about these types of things, but I keep trying to buy over and over and over again, the wrong items getting to the right one. I think we do it with a lot of key things like foundation. We're always looking for the next best thing. Lipsticks. We're always looking for the next best thing. Jeans are the other one. But for you, you go into these little tiny details of life and it does really feel like, okay, I actually don't have to go through the process of buying 25 straws. I now know that this is the best straw
1: And I'll be honest, I have the straws and they're really, really good. It's the best straws, softy straws. You guys all need to go get one. They're the best straws. And the baby now refuses to drink out of anything other than her pink softy straw. She's like so bougie about it. Like she pushes the water away unless there's the pink softy straw in it. So the baby's even trained. And I need to go buy a pair of good American jeans because I'm influenced. I get brutally influenced.
0: I think that's why I love my job. Let's take a pause to talk about our daily nutrition. You can easily add protein and nutrition to your daily routine with Vega, which is the number one plant-based protein powder brand. Vega products provide convenience without compromise. You can move through your day with the plant-based nutrition your body needs on the go. Everything made at Vega is vegan certified, non-GMO, project verified, gluten-free, and free of artificial flavors and preservatives. But let's talk about a few different ways that you can use Vega. First up, that daily nutrition. You can upgrade your daily smoothie or level up your afternoon snack. Vega has you covered from protein powders to bars made with real plant-based ingredients. You can learn more at myvega.ca slash nutrition, or for our American listeners, myvega.com slash nutrition. Now let's talk about immune support. You can find delicious options with nutrients to help support your immune system with Vega. Vega has you covered with Vega One and Vega Proteins and Greens. Delicious protein powders packed with vitamins and minerals made with real plant-based ingredients as always. Vega One helps you power your story with plant-based nutrition with fiber and vitamins A, C, and D. The protein and greens, again, real plant-based ingredients, but it's more than just a protein shake. You can try Vega proteins and greens with 20 grams of protein per scoop. Learn more about these at myvega.ca slash immunity. And for our American listeners, myvega.com slash immunity. Finally, our sports. The Vega Sport line is designed to help you build muscle and help set yourself up for tomorrow's training. Plant-based Vega Sports products are here to power your story pre-, mid-, and post-workout. Vegasport is NSF certified for sport protein powders and supplements and recovery is key for building muscle. And that's why it's important that you have one that helps you with the pre mid and post workout with Vegasport. Now Vegasport protein is made with 30 grams of plant based protein to help you build that muscle you need post workout. You can learn more at myvega, that's V-E-G-A dot slash sport, or for our American listeners, myvega.com slash sport. Thanks so much to Vega for sponsoring our show. Now let's get right back to it. I think that's why we can do what we do because we're so easily influenced. And I actually have such a trust system with influencers because I think that anybody willing to put their name beside or to something means you actually really must love it. Like you really have to think about it. If you're going to put your name beside a blanket and re- recommend something to like that extensiveness, like you know that that better be good. Your name is now to it. Your recommendation, your word, your trustworthiness is all kind of tied to it. Over your twelve years, obviously you've you've evolved in what you've talked about and done. Anything you can look back on and feel like super cringe about, or do you just kind of like go?
1: No, 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 a hundred. I remember I went into this with the intention to provide value twelve years ago, and so for me it was not about the money right away. I wanted to make sure I was just giving the audience so much value, and so I'm giving all my secrets, all my tips, all my tricks, giving other people secrets, tips, and tricks, and then I worked with this brand, and it was off-brand for me. It was full of chemicals. Mm. And it was something that I would maybe have once a week, but it wasn't something that I would go seek out. And I posted about it and I got called out. And it was like three years into blogging. And I remember I thought to myself, I am never doing this again, ever. Like meaning like I'm never not going to post something that I'm not absolutely obsessed with. And Mm -hmm. even when a brand comes to me to do a collaboration, The first question I ask is, what product do they want me to promote? And if they come back and say, oh, we want you to promote these six products, I say, no. I'm going to pick one that I like, the one that I'm using. I'm going to use it for two months. Mm -hmm. And then that's the one. I don't like to promote like a whole plethora of items. Like It has to be the one that's like the niche. Yeah. And I think that when that happened three years ago, I thought to myself, this is a long game. And if you're constantly promoting shit that you don't actually use, the audience is going to be onto it. The audience is so much smarter, I think, than influencers and digital creators give them credit for. I talk about this all the time. My audience, and I don't know if you feel the same way, I feel like they are so, so smart. They'll see things in my stories like in the background that I didn't even see. And I love that. I mean, that's amazing. That holds me accountable. So I just think that if you are a digital creator, you really have to have a long-term strategy and understand that doing things for money is not the way to go. You and I, when we're in person, could probably talk about this. And I know I've I've heard you talk about this before. I've left a lot of money on the table. When I even think about the money I've left on the table, it makes me sick to my stomach because it wasn't right. There was a protein powder that wanted me to promote it and it was filled with all this soy and chemicals and the amount of money. And it wasn't even like a big thing. I just had to post an Instagram and do Instagram stories. And I just said no, because it's not something I would drink. I want people to buy what I recommend. And and then I want them to go out and say, oh my God, you have to get this straw to their 10 friends. Yes, if they are not doing that, then it's like a very short term strategy.
0: Yeah. And I I agree with that. I think there's a lot of time that there's a lot of confusion with that. I don't think that there's a lot of transparency yet in terms of like influencing and blogging. And I think because when we say this like one word influencer, it it encapsulates all of them. It's like saying a baseball player and assuming they're all good. Like, no, you're still going to have the You're going to run the gamut of like different skill sets and you can't bucket therapists. You can't bucket nurses. You can't bucket like cashiers. You can't bucket any industry yet influencers kind of have been put into that box. They've been put into this like ick factor and like they'll do anything for money. They'll do all. And I'm like, no, I've actually left. I take a very... Numbered amount because, especially knowing I have to create a certain amount of content around an ad, if I'm doing an ad, I understand that the system doesn't work without the support of these brands. But I also really care if it's going to work for the brand and if it's going to work for me. So I won't talk on things that aren't working for me, which means I need at least six weeks with anything before we have that conversation. And mostly I like to be a customer first. So I like to actually go through the process of being a customer and seeing it from that lens of how was my experience? Because I have to know that that's what other people are experiencing. Should they listen to me? And should they have that? Because people don't go running to the customer service of the brand they bought it from. They come to you and say, Hey, I bought that thing and I had a shit experience. And you're like, well, I put my name to that. Like I said, this, I recommended this. I don't want my name and my trust and my integrity to be muddied especially within an industry that has so much mistrust still, has so much like ick factor to it. It's still kind of like this struggle. And I feel like it hasn't really been the same as with blogging. Blogging was a little bit more of a trusted and, you know, looked well upon. And then influencing just became a lot more difficult to kind of wade those waters of what the general public kind of sees and receives it at. So I really like that you kind of spoken to, you know, really wanting to add value and, and understanding that we do make those. I, I made a decision on one like years ago. I think it was a waist trainer. It was like during my weight loss season. And I used this weight trainer to like truth be told, I couldn't even breathe in it. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything, but it was so brutal. I was just so uncomfortable. It definitely didn't work for me. It didn't do anything except for like, make me feel like crap. And I barely slept, which was awful. But I had agreed with this brand that because they sent it to me, I would post it, which in and of itself was kind of a bad deal. And for years after that, they were able to use my image over and over and over again. Even when I had kind of been like, I, this didn't work for me. I didn't even understand these things. And that's why I feel like it's important to have these kind of conversations for people to understand that your image can be attached to something you do even way down the line. So if you're making a decision now with your brand, if you're thinking about taking that paycheck for that thing now, think about it three years from now too. Think about it five years from now. Could you still, you know, align yourself with this? Is this still, you know, a value to you? And having that long-term thinking in a short-term game is really
1: hard. Whenever I get on with a brand, I say, what would make this a home run for you? and they tell me and then i say i just want to tell you what would make it a home run for me is it's a win 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 and they say mm-hmm. well what do you mean there's two of us you and me and i go no there's the audience and as a brand if any brands are listening it should always be a win 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 yes and if you're not thinking of it as a trifecta of a triangle it's not just the brand and the creator and the roi and the blah 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 and the swipe ups like that can all suck dick if the yes. audience doesn't like it or engage with it, or it's not the right content for the audience. It's not a fit. I can't tell you how many brands I've worked with too that try to give me a script. And immediately I say to my manager, I say, let's get on a call with them because I'm not an actress. I'm not Mm -hmm. reading a script. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to read a script. I'll Mm -hmm. definitely look at, you know, the outline, but I have to infuse my own personality and infuse what I know is going to work to the community that I've been speaking to for the last 12 years. When a brand comes to a creator and gives them this huge script to read, they're going to the creator as the expert of someone who knows how to talk to the community that they've built. So you have to remember, just because I talk to my community in a way like we're at happy hour, you might... Take a product and you might talk in a completely different way than I talk. I think brands just need to understand if you are hiring the creator, you need to understand that they speak to their audience in a way. And I think if they want a script read, they should get an actress.
0: That's honestly so true. And people will call you out for it all the time. I know my followers will sometimes be like, you're doing your ad voice again. I'm like, damn it. (laughs) Because I'll just be like, when I get into my head too much, I definitely have a different tone. I have a different like vibe and ads. Like they read like that. They read like a commercial. It's not real. It doesn't feel as genuine. And I'm trying to like get myself out of that mindset of like only impressing a brand, because if I don't impress them, then that's not gonna work. yeah, you're right, it's a triangle. It's all three. We all have to be impressed. We all have to come away with value, whether it's brand awareness, whether it's actual conversions of sale, whatever those things are. Well, the fact is like I've read marketing terms take seven to 10 times for somebody to see something before they're going to buy it. So it's very rare. You're going to just throw something up in your stories. And then suddenly people are going to be like, okay, swipe up to buy. Usually they've seen it on you for a little while, or they've been curious about it. What are you using in your hair? What is that on your lip? What is your favorite pillow? Like these are already things that they're curious about and you're basically giving them the answer. So for me, I really genuinely do have to have such a relationship with the product or such a relationship with the brand before ever being able to bring it to my people because they will see through it. Yeah. This is such a good conversation for those who are ever interested in getting into brand work, but also for brands understanding, like our audience knows us, like they call that crap out and they are not going to swipe up if they feel like they've been read a script. That just isn't how it works at all.
1: You're a hundred percent right. And like for now, like I think I'm to the point and I feel like you're here too. It's like the one night stand isn't working. Like I don't want a one night stand with a brand. It needs to be an engagement or a partnership. Yeah, You know, someone like Dr. Dennis Gross, I've worked with him for, you know, six years and like I love his products. Michael loves his products. Like I feel so great about recommending them and he's so smart and he's an expert in his field. And there's Mm -hmm. so many different elements that just make that kind of marriage work. And that's what I'm interested in moving forward. I would rather leave a bunch of stuff on the table that are these one night stands, waist trainer, one offs. I don't think it's strategic to just do as much as you can. And, you know, we all can think of influencers that are just in it for, I mean, I don't want to say the wrong reasons. Those are their reasons, but they're in it Mm -hmm. just to make a quick buck. It's very obvious and it leaves the distaste in my mouth.
0: And that's fair. And I think that that's why there is difference of trust when it comes to the entire thing. And and I really, sometimes I get nervous whenever I've had an influx in followers. And then I have an ad the next day because I'm like, how am I going to grasp you in this moment to understand that you can trust me and not just click unfollow because you see the first thing after following me is an ad. I often when I'm creating something that is maybe an ad, I think about it through that lens. Like my friends and I were talking about this last night. We we're like, do you ever read back your emails and read it in a way as if somebody else was reading it? I'm like, I listen to every voice note I send. Like I have to hear it and see it through the lens of like somebody else or like looking at your page for the first time, what is that experience for them if they've come and click follow for the first time? and now there's an ad up, what does that look like? And is it genuinely you? And does it make sense? And does it make them click the unfollow button because they're annoyed or does it make them feel excited because you've brought them in the fold on something that's like any new relationships are shiny and new and they're excited to get to know you? How is that, you know, integrated when an ad's your first thing? Mango, rose, pear eucalyptus. Which is your favorite? These are just some of the amazing scents available with Function of Beauty's customized shampoo and conditioner. Your perfect hair is voluminous, full, and shiny, but how does it smell? Function of Beauty's custom hair makes sure that you don't neglect the most powerful of your body's senses. Scent is perhaps the body's most underappreciated of the senses. It powers your taste, it creates memories, and yes, even unleashes desire. Function of Beauty's team of formula scientists know this and make scent a key ingredient in every bottle. Function of Beauty is the world leader in fully customized hair care. They create a unique formula based on a short but thorough quiz to give your hair everything it needs to look and feel its best. Every product is sulfate and paraben free, vegan cruelty free, and there are over 60,000 real five-star customer reviews. And Function of Beauty fans are absolutely wild about the fragrances. And for a good reason. Your hair has never smelled so amazing. Try tropical mango, sweet peach, crisp pear, or subtler scents such as lavender, rose, and eucalyptus. If fragrance is not for you, that's okay because you can also get unscented as well. For me, I went for the eucalyptus. I, I love a clean, fresh scent. I just love having that vibe to me. And you know what, this is what I love is because normally when you're shopping at a drugstore and you're looking through different products, you don't get to kind of choose what the scent is you choose based on your hair's needs. So I love that this merges both of those together and allows you kind of to create that aromatherapy session within your hair care routine, which is fantastic. You can go right now to functionofbeauty.com slash papaya. You're going to take that quiz and you're going to save 20% off your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. That's functionofbeauty.com slash papaya. That's going to let them know that you heard about it here and to get 20% off your first order. One last time. So you remember it functionofbeauty.com slash papaya. Thanks so much. And let's get back
1: to the show. you read your own emails back? (laughs) I don't read my own emails because I have to tell you I'm not a big emailer.
0: No, I'm not either. I don't read them very often, which is a bad trait of mine.
1: I just got to a point where I just felt like it was a waste of time. And my husband gets really mad at me because that's not how he operates. And I'm not Mm -hmm. giving advice on this. I'm just saying I don't want to waste my creative energy on emails. By the time I check my email, which is like twice a week, sometimes once, half the shit has figured itself out anyway. I don't want to live in my inbox and be reactive to people because then you're drained. Mm -hmm. I Listen, and this is coming from someone who used to check their emails 16 times a day when I first started out and I had zero inbox. And now I probably have 5,000 emails. I have (laughs) 26,000. Yeah, it's like too overwhelming. And if you sat down and checked that, you wouldn't be creating this content today. So I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. Don't ask me.
0: All right, let's shift gears a little bit because this has been such a year for you. There has been a huge change. You went from being businesswoman hat to also mom. And I was so excited to watch you do it. I think because I needed, I needed to see it. It's been really hard for me to find women in this industry that I really look up to both mom and doing this. And and I wrote about it recently about being a woman with two dreams. Can we have career and can we have children? And how do we pursue both? and not beat ourselves up for it, not feel like we're failing all the time. And then it just I just looked at you and I was like, well, you're just doing it all. And then you had this very vulnerable post where you just talked about feeling like you hadn't had it figured out and you were feeling pulled. I'd love to kind of hear, just go off motherhood, your first friggin' year. I can't believe she's a year old. I was literally just before this, like showing my mom, I'm like, look at this baby. Like, look how beautiful she came out of the womb. <laughs> I was just showing Zaza off to my mom. And she was like, oh, like that is one beautiful baby. Like she's gorgeous. But this whole year, he needs to meet Lemmy. Me. Yeah, I know. They need to all like hang out together, but it's just been so cool watching you. But I would love to hear how has this year been for you? Really?
1: I had the easiest pregnancy. I had the most unbelievable birth. And then I took the baby home and I was in the trenches. And I want to say I had a lot of help, Mm. a lot of help. I mean, I had a night nurse. I had my husband is definitely someone who Helps a lot. I had some family. I definitely had a lot of help. And so I just kept thinking, I can't imagine someone who doesn't have help. What was hard about it was not necessarily the baby. And this is my experience. So everyone's different. It was the identity crisis of not feeling like yourself and feeling like shit while also having to work full time. I, I didn't take a maternity leave, which is not commendable. And I wish I did. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back. No. I, I went into labor like posting an Instagram and that was a big mistake. I think that made my healing way slower. I gained 55 pounds and so nothing fit me. I was, the weight did not come off for me, like not even one pound for probably six months. Mm. And so you're in a fog. I felt horrible depression, anxiety, intrusive thoughts. I don't think that's talked about enough. Like thoughts that I would never think were coming into my head. I would look at a butcher knife and be like, what if the baby falls on? Like just thoughts that make no sense. No, that is such a thing. I've never heard it coined like that. I was changing her diaper and I'd be like, what if this picture frame falls and cuts her stomach open? And just really like bad, weird thoughts that I never had had. And I think that getting better was a mixture. It was getting my hormones checked. I Mm -hmm. think everyone after birth should get their hormones checked. You have Mm -hmm. to see where your levels are at. I had low testosterone, low progesterone, and then I had low thyroid. And once I got on a thyroid medicine, I immediately in a month lost 30 pounds. So this is why if you're struggling with weight loss postpartum and you're doing all the things, go get your levels checked. By the way, I just want to be transparent. I still am 10 pounds away from my pre-pregnancy weight and I've the baby's a year and a half. So it's something that's like, it takes a while. And the weight loss journey, I think everyone is different. Some people don't mind it at all. And some people have identity crises. And then I've heard some people say that they're breastfeeding and it falls off. And some people say they walk out of the hospital in the jeans. like everyone's different. I think that what we need to normalize is that everyone is different. But
0: also that it's to not normalize when things are not feeling right either. I remember a couple years ago, I went and got my hormones checked and I was floored at what I learned. My testosterone, again, like similar to you, was low, but I had something else that was like really high. And you know, it just took a couple lifestyle changes. And, you know, I saw it wasn't even just the weight thing. It was just so much more than that. But at the time I was just coming off of, you know, disordered eating. So it was, a, it was an identity crisis for me to have this uncomfortableness in my body when I was trying to heal and I could tell something else was wrong. And again, now in postpartum, and this is why I love to change the, the language because weight loss and weight gain are natural ebbs and flows of our life. They're natural things that are going to happen. Through life and through change. We are not still humans. We are flowing, we are fluid, we are going to have ebbs and flows. We can't expect ourselves to be our teenage self while having life changes. This is why I like using the language of holding on to weight and releasing weight because it is such a difference. It especially in postpartum, a lot of times your body needs to hold on to stuff. And that's because it is just coming off of trauma, it's because it's now nourishing something else. It's for so many other reasons. could be that your hormones are completely out of whack. And so when you go through things and things start to level out, which often it needs to do after coming through that much stuff, there can be a release of that. Some people get it, like you said, right after birth. And some people can be way down the road or never. And these are things that we don't often see. I honestly, and I'll be completely transparent about this, as somebody who's like, pretty anti-diet culture. Like I'm not a fan of like really hardcore intentional weight loss. I know like the stats, it just doesn't work and it can lead to a lot of like disordered eating. But I understand as well, when we're going through these like identity crisis and it's so difficult, I thought I was so far done with this. I thought I was honestly okay. I thought that after having a baby, there was not going to be Weight issues that I would just be like, okay, I'll just size up and like off we go, and it's been really, really hard because I am honestly this. I I had to weigh myself again for the first time in years after having a baby, and to see these numbers and feel like that's part of your identity again, while also being the face of like a form of body confidence, and I'm like, I feel like shit, like. I was unfollowing people that were having babies and looking like they never had babies because I couldn't see it. And that says something about me. That says nothing about them. Watching your little one learn and grow is the best feeling in the world. But finding the right toys to help them grow and learn can be challenging. And that's what led me to Love Everly. Love Everly's play kits are designed by experts for your child's developing brain. Each play kit is tailored to your child's exact learning stage so they have the right toys for the right time, with the play kits delivered every few months that grow with your child. Play kits come with unique, one-of-a-kind activities and playthings that are built to endure plenty of play and each kit comes with a play guide that's packed with expert tips, ways to play, and do-it-yourself home activities that your kids will love. I love this so much because I found having a newborn again, I'm almost in guesswork. I'm trying to figure out what she likes. I'm trying to figure out what stage she's in. And I'm often just buying things that she can't even use for a year. Take the guesswork out of your child's play by choosing love every today and get free shipping. When you sign up to receive your play kits at dot slash papaya. That's dot com slash papaya for free shipping com slash papaya. My sister walked out of the hospital wearing her jeans. That's just such a normal thing for them. And it just wasn't a normal thing for me. My body, when I'm breastfeeding especially, it's going to hold on to everything. And I know from the past that like eventually will come to a point where it will likely release. And I have to find my way of feeling myself within that and not losing my identity to that. Because similar to a straw that is, you know, bothering you in your smoothie all day long, weight can do that to us. Weight can kind of trip us up and it can distract us away from our core purposes. It can distract us away from like who we are and like how we can show up in the world, which is far more important things than what size our pants are, you know?
1: A hundred percent. And I think it makes it even more difficult because I'm used to going to my husband like talking about things because we're in business together. And this was something that he just didn't understand. Yeah. And that was very frustrating because he just didn't understand how it felt. And I think you said something so smart. You said that you unfollowed the accounts that you were feeling triggered by. I think this is like such a good conversation. You said that it's not their fault. It's my fault. And I think I'm starting to realize if I'm triggered by something, it's a me problem. I need to point the finger to myself, not someone Mm -hmm. else. I I don't think there's anything wrong with unfollowing what doesn't serve you. I think you are the content that you consume. If you're surrounding yourself by content all day that doesn't make you feel good, that's your due diligence to unfollow. And then I think it's also your due diligence to look in the mirror and be like, why is this triggering me? Like, what, what is going on that this makes me upset I've done that sort of work on myself every time something upsets me. I'm like, okay, why is this making me upset? So I think that's important too. But as far as the postpartum thing, I would say the hormones checked the thyroid. I walked a lot. I got outside in nature. I think it's such an easy free thing to do, but just getting outside and walking, we're constantly staring at screens. I also think content consumption, like I have severe boundaries around my content consumption. Mm. I am not you know, and this is after years and years of practice. So obviously everyone starts somewhere when it comes to this, but creating those boundaries and disciplines around what you're consuming. Like I deleted my Facebook app and, Mm -hmm. you know, I only watch like two people's Instagram stories and like Mm -hmm. very like methodical about what you're listening to. Even if you're listening to a podcast, you know, is it a gossip podcast in the morning on a Monday that's not really setting the tone of the day? Just being really cognitive about what you're surrounding yourself with. Because what you're feeding your body matters and what you're feeding your mind matters.
0: It just really comes all back down to what are we being distracted by? And especially as women, especially as smart women, as women who desire to do other things or to build businesses, It's very easy to be distracted by things that aren't serving us, but really kind of, you know, they're like, it's like shimmery all over the place that the gossips, the tearing other people down. It can be, these are things that we naturally do very easily. Jealousy is a big part of like our makeup for whatever reason. And we also have our bodies that are constantly changing. Way more than men. Like my husband's gone up and down a few times since we met, but not in the same way that I hold it to myself. Like it's just one of those things that we really do ebb and flow and we allow things to kind of become so overwhelming that we lose focusing on, you know, the best parts of us, the parts of us that people actually care about. You can be the most beautiful person in the room, but unless you have something interesting to say, what's the point? Right. Right. So.
1: It's very, very true. But postpartum is no joke. And it, no I joke. think the way we talk about pregnancy, we need to start talking about postpartum. I did not feel like myself for eight months. And still there's elements of myself that I don't feel like myself. But it, when you're in the thick of it, I have not heard a woman say that I've talked to and been really honest and vulnerable that it's smooth sailing. It's not a joke. I mean, I cannot remember if you paid me $80 billion like the first two months. I can't even remember it. It's so weird. Yeah. Like I can't even think my mind like blocked it off.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people don't remember their pregnancies and birth because it's like your brain protects itself from things. And like, scientifically, reproductively. We can't remember those things or we'd never do it again. That's what like they've told us. I don't know how much it's true, but I'll tell you, like having a kid in my 30s was nothing like having it before. And I thought, oh, it's just because I'm older. It's just because of all these things. Then I found my journal of when I was pregnant with the others and I was feeling sick. I was feeling emotional. I was feeling all of these things. And I was like, oh, I just really thought I had it very easy with them and that this was suddenly very, very hard. I'm sure there was differences, but I also think our brains block off a lot of what we honestly can't handle or can't comprehend. And it's almost like birth in and of itself is a form of trauma. Going through that much change in your body has to be a form of trauma. And then to come through that, we were just kind of picked up and like brought along like, oh, look at the baby. And now everything's about the baby. And you're just like, The whole pregnancy, everyone's like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How The magazine covers are pregnancy bumps and all of this stuff. And then you have the baby and it just, all that focus just shifts away. And the mother just kind of sits there and no longer sees herself reflected in anything. Because let's be real, we don't see the postpartum body even reflected in anywhere on media, never shows up on the covers of magazines anymore. We just, we all looked at the baby and like, how's the baby doing? And it's so hard not to.
1: With what you're doing with your platform, it is so incredible because you are showing all the different sides. And that's why I have so much respect for what you've built is because you are really comfortable with showing us every aspect, every look. I think there is so much pressure and we'll take what happened with Mm -hmm. Khloe Kardashian. I feel so much empathy for her. There is so Mm -hmm. much pressure. And the crazy thing is when I saw that photo of her that she didn't want on the internet, I think she looks amazing.
0: So good.
1: I feel like when she had to release a statement that says that she doesn't look good, it's so crazy to me because I mean, I think she looks great. And by the way, I also think if she wants to filter the fuck out of her photos all day long and do whatever she wants to do, like that's her prerogative. If you don't like it,
0: unfollow her. My whole thing with Chloe is I actually met her a few years ago and she was lovely. Like, she was absolutely lovely. I can't tell you what she was wearing. I can't tell you what she looked like. I can't remember all of that shit. I remember her being warm. I remember her being kind. I remember her taking time for everybody in the room. And I remember the way that she treated her staff. I don't remember what she looked like that day. And I kind of commented that on her page and people were like, is she really that nice? I'm like, no, she is very, very nice. And I, maybe I come from, a lot of people, you know, believe that because she has kind of recycled what could be damaging content. I understand the holding people accountable to things, but I also understand I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up in that. So maybe that's the empath in me. I just, I feel for her. I feel for the fact that I've seen her plastered across magazine covers for years, being called the ugly sister, being called all of these different things. And she looks like she's got it all, but it just goes to remind you, everyone's human at the end of the day. And I can't imagine what that must feel like. And I also know like in the world, LA is like this very, very look-centric, Area of the world. And now you've just come from LA and gone into Austin. Have you noticed a difference, even just in the culture, coming from one place to the other, and how that whole perception around what women are meant to look like or should look like at all times, and maybe that pressure? Yeah,
1: I've definitely noticed a difference. And I'm someone who is obsessed with beauty treatments. I like, I love Botox. I'm very open. I like a, a fake lash. Like, I like all, I think you can simultaneously like all these things but boundaries around it. For me, this is, by the way, everyone's different for me. Everyone's
0: different. When I come to
1: Austin, it's a really beautiful balance for me. Like I am out this morning with huge sunglasses and Michael's sweats and crumbs all over my sweater, walking the baby, just not giving a fuck. Like it's, I'm in nature. I'm (laughs) at peace. I'm with the baby. It's such a nice, beautiful balance to LA, which is Mm -hmm. like, you're going to put yourself together a little bit more if you go to the grocery store. It's just a different mindset. And I think I embrace both of the atmospheres. I embrace both. Like there's some great things about LA and there's some great things about Austin. For me though, being in LA all the time was taking a toll. And I just Mm. realized that when I was pregnant, I needed to connect more with myself. I needed more stillness. I needed more nature. I needed more time, you know, not dressed up running around like a psycho to 20 different meetings. I wanted a little bit more peace of mind. And this goes back to being really extremely self-aware with who you are. And so we decided, you know, Austin was the right move for us. And when we go back to LA, like it's makeup and it's hair and it's all the beauty things. But then I get to go back to Austin and like have crumbs all over my clothes. So the balance has been really really nice. Someone who I think has a really good head on her shoulders that's sort of just doing the same thing is like Kristen Cavallari. She is mm-hmm. someone that I think understood like, okay, let's ride LA as hard as I can ride it, but also let's protect my peace. And she does yeah. that with Nashville. And she's talked about this in interviews. She talked about it on our podcast. Like, she has the balance of having, she has chickens and, you know, dogs and like goats and all of these things that are represent peace. And then she can go to LA and she can get her work done. And I'm a huge fan of batching. Like, let's, let's get all of our episodes recorded. Let's do the photo shoots we need to do. But then I got to go recharge. And that's the, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. I, I realized I have to go recharge. I cannot live in LA seven days a week. Do, it just, it wasn't feeding my soul. And so, and it's also, I'm thinking about my daughter, how I want her to grow up. So for me, the balance is really good for Michael. He really likes it too. And I feel like we just work really hard when we're in LA and we just, I don't want to say we relax. We're still working here, but we're doing it surrounded by the things that we want to be surrounded by.
0: That's so nice for you. I was such a shock when I saw that you guys were moving, but I love hearing kind of your why. I love hearing that you made that a priority because it was important and that your business can still thrive within, you know, some of these changes. And I'll say about Kristen Cavallari too, another person that I met her in Nashville, insanely nice, so, so nice that sometimes when I see crap happening on social media, I'm like, no, I met her and she was really nice. But I have to say, I have to ask this before we wrap up. Tell me what has surprised you about motherhood. What has been like the joys and delights and the things that you maybe didn't expect?
1: I went into this thinking, I'm going to have 10 nannies. I want a chef. I want a this. I want a that. I'm very, very transparent. I am not trying to act like super mom. I, I, I value my time. I was like, I yeah. want I wanted yeah. this. I want that. And now that I'm in it, I can't believe how much mom guilt that I experience. I mean, even leaving the baby with a nanny for a few hours, it makes me feel bad. And what's wow. even crazier is when I'm with her and I'm not a hundred percent present. I feel bad too. It's mm. like you can't win. Yeah, there's times when you know I have to be on my phone for work in front of her, and it makes me feel bad. I notice that I lay my head down on the pillow at night, and it, I never think, "Oh my god, I was such an amazing businesswoman and mother today." It's always, "Oh, I did a really good job mothering today," or "I did really good at work." It's mm. it's hard to have both and it's guilt shocked me. I mean, I had no idea I would feel this guilty. Actually, like it bothers me and I'm being really honest. Like it just, it weighs on me and it makes me feel like, oh my God, I could be doing more. And so, and I'm sure mothers everywhere can relate to this. You know, if you have a nine to five, like I'm even lucky that, you know, I can go home and even work on my phone in front of her. So I don't know the answer for that. I'll let you know if I ever do. But right now I'm just trying to do the best that I can. I
0: wrote about this the other week, just the fact that I've been a stay-at-home mom. I've been a working mom with like multiple jobs. I've been the mom who works while having the kids. It doesn't matter. The mom guilt exists. It always feels like you're not quite doing enough. It always can kind of feel like failure because there's something about when you idealize what it's like to have kids. And and this happened to me, even though I've had three, this time was the first time I was working. I was doing my own brand. So to be pregnant and I was terrified. I was almost resentful being like, what am I going to, I just saw everything I was going to lose. Like, this is going to be so bad for me. This is going to be so hard going to be impossible. I'm going to need so much help. And then she came and I was like, fuck everything. Like screw everything. I will do anything for this child. Like, and so then it became, but I also still want to work and I, but I also want everything for her. And just finding that balance. I don't, similar to you, I don't know it exists. I just don't know it does. And
1: then it's like, you have to suck your husband's dick and go to the market and like do your skincare routine and post an Instagram. And for women, It's on and on and on. And I can say this. I don't see the same thing with Michael. Like he doesn't feel the same way I feel. And he's a pretty hands-on dad. He doesn't feel, I notice Mm -hmm. I'll like watch, his mannerisms. He doesn't, when he's on his phone in front of her, like I don't, I notice that he doesn't feel the same way or when he has to leave a couple hours, like it's fine. That's just very interesting to me. It's very, it's almost like we were given this handbook that women were like just supposed to stay at home and we have to push against these standards every single day to be like, no, no, no. Like we can do both. But Someone needs to write a book. I hope it's you on what to do because it's a lot of pressure. And the next baby that I have, I'm taking three months off post here and there, but I'm taking good for you.
0: I did six weeks and I thought six weeks was so much time. It was not enough time. And it, and that was, so what do you wish you took? I wish I took three months of like dedicated. And then I think I would take another two months to three months of ease back in. Now this is me at a very privileged standpoint, being able to have that option because a lot of people are just sent back to work in Canada. You get a year off. So for me, it's very normal for people to have a year off because the government supports you for up to a year. You get like a chunk of your income back paid by the government for up to a year. So for me to be working even six weeks after, I really wanted that because I felt like I didn't want motherhood to feel like it was holding me back from the things I wanted to do. And then the baby was born and I was like, hold on. I didn't consider the other side that work would make me feel like I'm being held back from the experience of this. This is my last child. This is my only child with Shane. And that pull in both directions, I feel... But I will say this, I've gotten really good at saying no. I've gotten really good at using her, like this sounds bad, but using her being like, sorry, I have a newborn or sorry, just gave birth or sorry, I'm pregnant. Like I just don't have that capacity. I never had that type of authority over my own boundaries like I do now because I have a child, which says a lot about womanhood and the fact that we almost need a why in order to say no to things or to create boundaries she gave me boundaries back because I wanted to just sit with her and have that time with her and not feel like I was resentful of sitting and rocking her because I needed to be doing X, Y, and Z. And I can feel that creeping in right now. I'll be really honest. I can feel that creeping in and I get really, really sad and upset when people are like, oh, I've emailed you. I've written you. I've done this. Like, why aren't you replying? And I'm like, this is Because I'm rocking my child to sleep.
1: Why don't you put a thing in your Instagram story that says some people have reached out to say why I'm not replying. Like, these are the reasons why. Even though we shouldn't have to do that, I Mm -hmm. feel like it's a nice boundary for you. Another tip, I do not text people back right away. I need to be better at boundaries. (laughs) And this has changed my life. No. Really? If you text me and you come into my text message, don't respect a response for a week, at least. And I'll I'll tell you why. If I text someone or send someone a voice note or an email, I do not expect an answer right away. I
0: don't. And I saw your voice note today and I was like, I am so sorry.
1: Uh, No, you just had a baby.
0: (laughs) That makes me feel better.
1: And I think that I batch my text message. I sit down and I say, okay, I'm going to respond to all the text messages right now or like, well, I'm pushing the stroller. I'll do a bunch of voice notes. The text message thing is such a larger conversation that I'm telling you is going to put mm-hmm. people in rehab. People expect a response the second that they text you. And when my friends start texting me question mark, question mark, question mark, I, that's not, I don't text back right away. And it's not an ego thing or this. It's that I don't ever walk into someone's office and expect them to drop everything they're doing. So I don't get why people would walk into my text message and expect me to drop it. And that little tweak was so life-changing. I think you just had a baby. Like I would put it up like text messages might take a week for me.
0: Whoa. You just changed a whole lot of lives with that one. That's a boundary I
1: didn't even think I was allowed to have. I want to like write a whole book on this out of control.
0: Lauren, honestly, you are such a delight. I know we're going to switch gears. We're going to go over to your pod. We're going to do yours. Thank you. This has been insight. We talked business. We took motherhood. We talked text messaging. Honestly, so great to sit and chat with you. You're everything I thought you would be, which is really lovely.
1: Wow. Thank you.
0: Well, same with you. Isn't that the best compliment when people are like, you
1: really like who you no, are online. A nice compliment. I like that compliment. I'll, I definitely will take that. And I appreciate you taking the time to interview me. I am such a fan of everything you're doing. And I just feel like you are doing something that so many women need. And we're going to talk about it on our podcast.
0: We are going to talk about that on your podcast. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, uh, we'll see you next week.